This is episode 52 of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with Nikki Hedstrom. She is the author of A Thought is a Thought. Now, I've had several authors reach out to me, but when I heard about the book, A Thought is a Thought, I reached out to Nikki because I could not wait to let you know about this great book. It not only teaches children how to sort out their thoughts, but how to deal with their anxiety. And we have the author in the house. She is going to tell us about her inspiration, and she's going to tell us about how she dealt with her own anxiety as a child. But first, thank you for joining us today. I know you have lots of choices of podcasts to listen to, and I'm so glad that you're here with me right now. Don't forget to subscribe or download so you don't miss any of the content that I put out each and every week for families of all kinds to come, learn, grow together, laugh together. And it's my guarantee that you'll get solution-focused content to help your family grow strong when you listen to my podcast. And also, before we get into this, I want to encourage you to jump over to my website and check out my new product. It's still on sale for the next couple of weeks. It's my mini course, Conversations That Empower. You can find it at my website, thefocusedmindset.com. You can go directly there if you want to go to thefocusedmindset.com slash empowered. And if you go on that one, you'll get a few extra downloads for being my podcast listener. But this course, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I started creating it a while back because now that I've been in the classrooms in the last couple of weeks, I notice the conversation gaps, the communication gaps that exist with our kids. And it's not their fault. They have been in such an unusual situation for the past year. And the normal evolution of learning how to converse with others and work in groups have been completely interrupted. So this course is designed to not only help you, but help your entire family regain some of those powerful conversation skills. So you can make an impact in every conversation and you can help your child do the same. So jump on over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, and pick up your copy of Conversations That Empower Today. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today, I am welcoming an author to our show. Nikki Hedstrom is the author of A Thought is a Thought. And it is quickly become one of my favorite books for children. And I'm so thankful that you were able to make some time to come on my show today. Welcome. Oh, Cher, that is such a lovely intro. Thank you so much. I'm glad you like the book. That's fantastic. It is the sweetest book. And if you guys haven't seen it already, you're going to hear a lot about it here, but uh, we'll give you all the ways that you can get your own copy. But um, really the reason why it touches me is because, you know, as school counseling and a family coach, we see a lot of anxiety and this book really hits the core of where that anxiety comes from. And it's inside our mind where it starts. And that's really what it talks about is children being able to sort out those thoughts and, um, and I love that. How in the world, give us a little rundown on how you came up with this idea and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, I'd love to share. So I grew up as an anxious, anxious child. So um, for me, it was one of those things where, you know, you start with a lot of anxiety at a young age and it doesn't just go away. And so I really had to put a lot of time and effort into finding tools and um, doing counseling and all those things that really helped me shape who I am today and, and how I, I manage my anxiety. I'll, I will fully admit it's not something I, I think I've fully overcome. I think everybody has anxiety. Um, 
at varying varying degrees, but I've found some really cool ways to help cope. And um, I'd say even more than cope, like I feel like I can really thrive by practicing these these tools that I put in this kid's book. And for me, I, I had sort of taken until I was in my 30s, I want to say, to really start to grasp the idea of challenging when I start getting into like a negative thought spiral that I could just sort of put a pin in it and look at it and question it and then start to pick a different thought. And so I just, I started thinking like, oh, my whole life would have been so different if I had just learned at a younger age that when I'm having a negative thought that I could just sort of put a pause in it and choose a more positive thought to help shift me out of that headspace. And so I really wanted to come up with a story that would be memorable to kids, but also to just families. I think a lot of us deal with anxiety and I think a lot of us can get those spiraling thoughts. And um, I just wanted to come up with a way that would help us remind ourselves to get out of our own heads, to take a moment to be present and to like help reduce those racing thoughts. And so I wrote a thought as a thought. And I'm thinking back in my own parenting journey. I have my oldest daughter uh, struggled a lot with anxiety. And I would have loved to have a book like this when she was little. Why didn't you write this earlier? No, I'm kidding you. But but no, I I resonate with what you're talking about because I watched her um, work through that. And recently I had a conversation with her. She's in her uh, very early 20s. And she shared with me some of the social anxiety that she still, the mental thought processes that she still needs to go through sometimes to do something as simple as walk in and talk to somebody at a checking stand, which for someone who doesn't struggle with social anxiety, that would be a piece of cake. They don't even think twice. And I find it so interesting because it's, it's something that if you're a parent, like I am, I was that didn't struggle with anxiety and you're raising a kid that has anxiety even if you're a counselor like me, it can be kind of hard to connect the dots. Right. So how do you and envision this book continuing to help connect the dots for parents? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, I think I'll start with the refrain that I came up with, because that was really the seed for the whole book, which is a thought is a thought. It's not me. It's just not. And so the goal was that when you are starting to have that negative thought that you can actually pull on that sort of earworm, a thought is a thought, it's not me, it's just not. And remember that you you are the you are whole and complete as the person who's having all these thoughts. And when you can separate the idea that you are you are not your thoughts um, and you can choose a thought, it really helps um, alleviate sort of that it feeling like it's overwhelming and overcoming you. And so even in the way that I illustrated the book, I wanted the the thoughts to be sort of they're these balls that kind of look like gobstoppers. I wanted them to have layers because I feel like particularly as people who have um, anxiety, one thought can trigger to another thought that keeps going in this sort of negative spiral. And so yes. I wanted them to have these layers because I think so often that's how people with anxiety. And I, I mean, I think a lot of people have this, but um, I wanted to be able to illustrate that, but it is external to you. And there is this opportunity to almost get curious. And I like the idea of almost holding that thought in your hand and, and looking at it and kind of getting, having it be external to who you are um, and being curious about it. So you can ask yourself those questions. So I do have some probing questions within the book and we can talk about that in a little bit, but um, I think it's important to question those thoughts. And I always, I, I think it was when I was in my early 30s that uh, one of my counselor really counselors really pushed me to, you know, could you choose another thought? And I just started using that all the time. And I, I think it's so imp- like empowering because I love the example of like, you know, you're driving in traffic and somebody cuts you off and you can immediately think that they're a jerk or you can think that they're racing home to their wife who's in labor And all of a sudden, like, you've got a whole lot more patience, a whole lot more empathy, a lot more grace for them. And it doesn't, I mean, we're never going to know, I don't know why he cut me off, but I feel a whole lot better when I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And so I think even if in the, in the, in middle, little, like the immediate moment, you can take a moment to choose a more positive thought, you'll feel better. And that's really just the whole point of the whole thing. And I mean, I think we've all gone through this before and maybe you can think of a circumstance, but where you you know text a friend and she doesn't get back to you for, for a few days. And if you're an anxious person, that might start making you think like, what did I say to her last? And oh my goodness, did I offend her? And maybe, oh, maybe it was that that joke I made. And 
and you can just go out of control. And yeah, so- that's why the circle analogy is perfect. It works. It, it's so true because that you and it does. It looks like a little Godstopper. You're right, but I love the way that you put that in a actual picture form because you're absolutely right. The circling of of the thoughts that just ripple effect. Mm-hmm. You get, but you, you drop, didn't make it that first. Swirl. Which I like that you didn't make it a swirl because that would make maybe you feel anxious, yeah. but you did it like a complete circle that, that you can, it's almost like it, it can be calming, but it also gives the children a sense of knowing that your thought is something that we can talk about and we can, you know, look at and dissect and figure out rather than owning, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy and, and that idea that we can choose another thought. And so I go back to the example of um, the friend that didn't text you. And when you finally do get in touch with her and she tells you that her mom's been in the hospital, you're like, this was never about me. And so right. you put so, sort of put yourself through all this suffering that was really unnecessary. And you could have put a mother, another thought in your mind. Maybe she's really busy with work. That wasn't the right answer either, but it wasn't because you offended her. So I think just teaching your kids to be able to take a moment, choose a more positive thought, and then just be present. And when, when the time comes, you'll find out what was going on with her. And in this case, you know, she's in the hospital. Yeah. Then you can deal with that situation when it comes up. And so a lot of that framework comes from um, Eckhart Tolle and his work about being present and being grounded in, in the present. And I, I love how he outlines the idea of worry and that, like, we all have worries. Everybody can worry about paying their mortgage. They can worry about all sorts of different things. But if you actually ask yourself in this exact moment in time, do you have a worry? And so often we don't. We're worrying about something that's going to happen next week. We're worried about something that's going to happen in two years from now. And so just trying to practice being present. And I think often when we're present with our, our loved ones that they get, like they can feel that love. And so it's just such a great um, habit to have because one, it takes you out of these like ideas that you're racing in your mind about what might happen next week when you're grounded in reality of right now and yes. it's so powerful and so I wanted to bring the idea of you know I have one of the lines um, I can be um, president well and so it's that idea of I can learn to be still I can be president well um, that really reminding your kids that they can just take a moment take a breath get in, get into the environment they're in you know whether it's like maybe look at the trees or look at the blue sky get out of those racing thoughts because once I mean, as somebody who has anxiety, once you start, oh boy, it's just like a runaway train. So I wanted to come up with a way to help ground them in the moment so they could calm themselves. Yeah. You're trying to catch them. It's, it's a, it's a very um, proactive approach because you're trying to catch them before they get to that point and teach them a strategy. So therefore they they start, they begin to use that. And all of a sudden they avoid some of the things that, that may have haunted them clear through their adult life. That's the hope. The hope is that if you learn this early on and you can be present and you can give, like I said, give people the benefit of the doubt, you'll get the answer at some point. You'll find out. And it's important to obviously set boundaries. And I'm a firm believer in that. But I do, I think it's important to not let yourself make assumptions. And I think as a worrier, worriers need to sort of dig into it and try to predict what it was and what's happening. And you're just so often not right. And it's just a lot of energy being used in a direction that's not helpful. So I just wanted to come up with a strategy that would help kids learn and parents, like I said, just a thought is a thought. It's not me. It's just not. And then you can just sort of think about something that might be more positive for you. Yeah. I like that. A lot of energy used towards something that's not helpful. Right. (laughs) Oh man. There's a a lot lot of of power in that statement right there. I'm hoping I can shortcut this for some kids so they can they can jump to the finish line a lot faster than I did. Yeah. And I like the way the words were uh, are really big because kids can read them themselves, you know, and they can start. It's almost like you get the feeling something like a Dr. Seuss type feeling where they're going to want to say it again and again. And I think that's really important. I find that for me and I don't know, I think that some of the parents listening might have picked up a book on mindfulness or picked up something because Uh, Maybe they heard along the way that, wow, maybe I can help my child with being more present. And then it's so wordy and there's so much to it that you can't, you can't connect with the child with that. You know, they're like bored about it before because they're at their age. This book can be used with preschoolers. I mean, it can be used with the youngest of child. And I like what you said too, about holding the thought. 
mm-hmm. you know, that's, a, that's a really visual picture. How did you kind of start? Cause I think, don't you have a picture in the book where he's kind of holding it? Yeah. Or, so, yeah. um, thematically, and you can sort of see when you read the book that when our little character is feeling overwhelmed, there are like thoughts cascading everywhere. They're all over and overwhelming our character. And so when the character takes a moment to be calm and to be still, they gain control of their mind and their thoughts. And so that's where you see the confident character holding one thought. Yes. Slowed all those. I mean, I think as somebody who practices meditation, we all know that like you can't stop the thoughts completely, but we can Mm -hmm. slow them down a little bit and we can um, just, you know, let them float around a little bit slower than they do when we're worked up. Um, And so I really, I believe in trying to visualize that idea of letting your thoughts slow down and how do you let them become just a couple around you versus letting it sort of, like you said, I love that tidal wave example, but yeah, I have at one point he's running, running down a hill, um, like, like they're running away from an avalanche. So of thoughts, um, Mm -hmm. which can happen when you're really overwhelmed, you can just keep piling up. And so I just really wanted to help identify that if we can take a moment to breathe, take some deep breaths, get present, get in touch with our body, how our bodies are feeling, that that can really help relax our nervous system and, and bring us into a calmer state. And that alone will just slow down that thought activity, which is so important and, and such a way to make you feel better when you're feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And mindfulness, um, I practice mindfulness quite a bit and I teach mindfulness with the kids that I work with and families. When we really think about mindfulness, it is being still in the present moment. And part of it is noticing, you know, just noticing that thought as it is. And we don't even need to go through an entire uh, process of a, a mindful sit in order for a child doesn't. A child can get that pretty quick if you mm-hmm. teach them. And so uh, me, myself, I remember that I would have another subject I'd love to talk to you about is positive affirmations. And I yes. would have my kids, um, I would offer them to come in at recess and I would put on soft music and we would do positive affirmations at lunch. Well, this is their recess time. They could be running, playing, doing yeah. anything. And the more I did it, no joke, I would have a line outside my door waiting because I could only fit a few in at a time. And I would cycle them in. You know, they, they would rather do that than their art. They just wanted to lay there and do the affirmations and it would put them in such a great headspace. And I re- really began to see the power of that. And I think they go hand in hand, you know, the, the mindfulness of being aware and then the other side of having some affirmations. Um, what do you believe about that? How do you, what do you think about affirmations and stuff? I noticed you had them in the book. Yeah, I do have them in the book. So for me, it was important, um, to recognize that when we start creating these patterns for our minds, where we take the time to say a positive affirmation every day, we start to rewire the brain for positivity. And in particularly when you're an anxious person, like I said, there's a negativity bias that is working on like high, high speed if you have anxiety. So I wanted to help them sort of, if we could dial it towards the lens of uh, positivity. And so I really thought it was important that we put some practical tools in place to help ground the book and the concept with some activities that families can do together. And so I do have positive affirmations. Um, I have, I am kind, I am smart, I am brave, I am strong, and I am loved. And I really do recommend that you practice those daily. It's such a good way for you to self, build that self, um, self-esteem and self-resilience. And I think what's important about doing these positive affirmations is that that confidence is being built internally, which I love, because then when you hear something from maybe a bully at school, you can sort of when you hear it, it's probably going to hurt you. But if you really truly believe that I am smart and somebody says you're stupid, you're going to say, no, I'm not. So I really wanted to help them build that confidence to be able to question when somebody else outside feedback comes in to let them know intrinsically their value, to build that confidence so that ideally they're not taking in that negative feedback, that they're aware that they are perfect and whole as they are. And so those positive affirmations really help build that confidence. Um, from their own self versus having it be an external voice. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I love the way that you infused it into the book, because if it would have ended just on the thoughts, then it could have made us feel like, well, what do we do next? And you didn't leave us with a what, what do you do next? You left us with some actual steps that we can do. 
And, um, and I think that's the part that some of the kids I've read it to like the most because they're getting the concept, but then they are like, oh yeah, I get to say the affirmations, you know, and they get kind of into it. So it's really cute. And, uh, and so I'm glad that you kind of had that realization that that would be really important for the kids. And, um, and this is not something that I, I was going to bring up with you. And then I just thought about it myself is that I also appreciate that your character is a character. It's not a male. It's not a female. It's not, it's just a character. So, and it doesn't have a particular, um, even a, a race attached to it or anything. And so they can really begin to understand the concept outside of wondering if they identify with this character or not. So anybody can identify with it. Was that done on purpose? Oh, I love that you picked that up. A hundred percent that was done on purpose. It took me a very long time to discover our little character because, um, yeah, I, I was really, there's a lot of things that we took into consideration, but I didn't want it to feel cir- circumstantial to a situation. Like I didn't want it in a classroom setting. I didn't, because I really truly believe this idea and is relevant at any age to any person. Um, and I didn't want it to feel like you said, I didn't want people sort of putting walls up because I didn't think it felt like them. And so the challenge with that is that I got a lot of characters that looked like monsters and a lot of characters that looked like aliens and we just had to keep working through it and trying different options. And what's interesting about our character is that my illustrator actually did a bunch of ink blots and then just put ink blots on paper and then sketched around them to make some, some <laughs> forms out of it. And so this was one of the ink blots and it's actually on my website. You can see the progression of the How character, cool. but um, it was important to me that it didn't feel like something we knew, but that it also felt friendly and friendly um, and emotive, yes. right? I mean, you can see the character at the very end of the book. I have a page about emotions, which again was important to me because when I was growing up, I say this, there probably were more, but I felt like I only knew like happy, sad, or angry. <laughs> and so the fact that we have a spectrum of emotions that we can talk about and that what I love about emotions is that we can go through a lot in a day, right? It's not one emotion. You're not one thing all the time. You're a bunch of different things and different yes. thoughts will trigger different emotions. And if you can change those thoughts, as I said, you can hopefully switch to a more positive emotion and a positive state. And so I wanted to have um, a variety of emotions, but our character doesn't have a lot of features. So I I think it's pretty fun that we can do it. It's simple, but it's powerful. I like it. But thank you. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. And, and having those emotions at the end, it's true. It's kind of like kids uh, and, and adults, like you said, I mean, this is human, human behavior, but we're talking about catching it young. So kids can um, begin to realize, oh, how am I feeling right now? Just even questioning that and realizing it can cause them peace, you know, because then all of a sudden we don't, we don't naturally necessarily know to say like, okay, how am I feeling? Right. I I wanted them. And that's part of the question. So I'll go to the questions. Oh my goodness. Yes. So in the book, we have a thought exercise. And the first question is, what is the thought that you are having? So just identifying what that thought is. And then we move into how does the thought make you feel? And so as a point of reference, we have all those different sort of emotions on the side that we can sort of work through when you think about what's the feeling that matches that emotion. And then how um, do you know if that thought is true? Now, this is a big one because we you just need to learn that you shouldn't just accept every thought as face value as being truth. And so just introducing the concept that we should wonder, is that thought true? Um, inches in that little bit of room for us to propose a different idea or a different solution of what that, what the situation might be bringing for them. And then the last one is if you could choose another thought, one that made you feel better, what would it be? So that's where we want to make that shift from that negative thought into a more positive spot. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a huge leap. It could be, um, I use the example of when a kid waves at their friend across the playground and their friend doesn't wave back. So their first jump start might be, my friend doesn't like me. Well, what if we could just inch them towards like, maybe they didn't see me. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different emotional state that you're going to feel in your body versus they don't like me, right? They didn't see me has a different charge to it. And so what I wanted to do is help them recognize that like, okay, is there any other pl- like plausible potential idea that might be it? And And parents might need to help in the beginning to really help get them curious and to have them challenge them to think of something else. Sometimes it's hard to think of another, especially if you're worked up, if they're in a worked up tizzy, like 
good luck trying to shift them into something like <laughs> positive, like they didn't have their glasses on. But, you know, there are a million reasons. Somebody might honestly not have seen them for the most like simple reason. And so the goal is to get them to be curious. And then if you're being present, right, the right solution is to go over there and talk to them. And then you'll actually find out what that was like, what that's all about. So being curious, um, being in the moment, all of these things really shift how, how we're going to live a positive life. Yeah. And I think parents should have a little grace on themselves because it is true that if they're raising an anxious child, there's going to be times where they're in a place and even the more hard that the more that the parent tries, the worse that it seems to get in that moment. And, uh, and I think that parents then begin to feel like a failure and that they need to push harder to be able to get their child to snap, quote unquote, snap out of it. And, and, um, and then they're hard on themselves. So, you know, parents need to give themselves grace to say, Hey, this is a process. This is Mm -hmm. something that, you know, now that you're more aware through books like this and through, um, actions, it's a process of teaching. Do you have anything that you can think would help a parent that's in that circumstance? I mean, not only reading this book, but what's helpful. I mean, what would have been helpful to you when you were young? Yeah, I mean, I know the the default and I understand why. I mean, I was an anxious kid and I'm sure my mother was often like, oh, Nikki, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but, but really acknowledging their feelings is really important and, and meeting them where they are is super important. And so um, even just being able to say like, I understand, I understand that you're, you're nervous about this. Like that, that versus don't be nervous about this. There's nothing to be nervous about. Like, Got you. I think it's important to acknowledge where they are at. Again, if you can help them know that it will be temporary. Um, I know Stephen So had posted, um, they're on Instagram and I love their work, but they posted about like great parenting modeling when it comes to emotion. And so one of the things they talk about is even modeling for yourself what that, what that anxiety or what might look like. So an example would be, mom has a presentation tomorrow and I'm feeling a little nervous, but I'm gonna do some deep breathing And after the presentation tomorrow is done, I'm not going to feel nervous anymore. And so what that does is, one, lets the kid know that the emotion that you're feeling isn't about them, which I think, again, is helpful, especially if you're an anxious child, you might be taking this personally. So identifying where that's coming from and then providing a a coping tool. So whether it's breath work or I'm going to take a walk or I'm going to do some exercise, um, I'm going to meditate. Like you can come up with a lot of different tools that you could use to help bring your anxiety down and then showing them that again it's temporary so it's not going to last forever my state's going to change so those things yeah. are all really helpful for a kid to understand that this that they'll, they will get through it and i think by understanding that and modeling that you are as a parent have a range of emotions um, in a healthy way and again making sure that they they don't feel like it's about them because it's not about them and so yeah. making them understand that is super valuable i really like that so I mean, first of all, just being able to get in their uh, on their own playing field and letting them know that I understand this is how you're feeling right now, rather than stop feeling that way. And yeah. then I love that other idea of decide to tell them with the coping mechanisms that you're using. I think that lots of parents use the coping mechanisms, but they forget that maybe, hey, maybe I should let my child in on these things that I've yeah. learned for the years, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because they automatically do it, you know, and I think that that happens frequently uh, because parents are training so much, but maybe it's time for us to stop and say, hey, part of the training that we do also goes into this level of how are we going to help our child deal with their feelings, their emotions, their anxiety. And then we ask ourselves, well, how do I deal with my emotions, my and my anxiety? And that's kind of like a push that kind of like blows the mind. Like, well, wait a minute. I do have some strategies. Maybe I could share with my child. Yeah. And I mean, there's lots of things for anxious kids, like artwork, um, drawing and coloring is a nice relaxing thing to do. Um, obviously physical activity is a great way to get out of your mind and like getting them moving their body can help boost endorphins. So there's lots of things you can do that'll help an anxious child. I think, as I said, um, what's not helpful is telling them like that they're, they're wrong <laughs> or, like, or to stop you know, it <laughs> yeah that's just that just stop it isn't particularly a message that helps so um it's yeah I would say just being 
relating to them at where they're at because that emotion is very real to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, that's another reason why I wanted them to be able to come up with the idea of what the next thought is on their own because I, I'll use my, my poor mother. I was growing up and mm-hmm. um, we had a, um, a guy come by to put fire, like, alarms in our house and he did a straight up video about the fire and the safety like things and I wouldn't sleep without my window open for like a year and we we live where it gets very cold and my mother was like but we'll just like I promise you you'll get out and like I was like I I am not burning down in this house and so I'm confident that I need to be safe here I know what I'm doing and I need this window to be open. So, um, you know, it, it really needed to come from me to, to learn that I was going to be comfortable to close the window. And I just, I, she, God bless her, because she had her hands full with a very anxious child. But um, it seems, and it seems funny because we can laugh at it, but that seems as real as something that could happen the next day with a kid that's anxious. You know, oh, like yeah. it, it seems unrealistic, like something that could never happen to them is like, oh no, it could happen the next minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's funny because there's all these the schools that put out safety plans and are all meant to make us feel better. But as an anxious child, oh, man, just gets those thoughts going. So um, I, I really wanted to help try to identify how to, how to stop that that spiral as I talk about this like one thought or maybe it's more like a ripple where you drop one thought and then it becomes another one and another one and another one. So yeah. I just really wanted to help provide some tools as to how to shift out of that headspace. Well, I think you've been successful at it. I mean, I'm really glad that you were proactive and and said, you know what, I'm putting something out there because um, that's what we need. We need people to just say, you know what, let's put something out there because this is going to help an anxious child. And I know that my oldest, so I have three kids. My oldest, like I said, is raised. And many times I'll tell her, oh gosh, honey, I'm sorry. If I knew better, I would have done much better. Yeah, you made some mistakes there with the first one. and But still, we made it through. Now, my third one also deals with anxiety in a different type of way. And your story cracked me up because she watched um, some YouTube videos on um, tsunamis. Oh, no. And we live a long, long ways away. There's no possible human way that we're going to have a tsunami where we live. It's, it's, it's physically impossible. But we went through a good year where she was legitimately terrified of tsunamis everywhere we went. She was just, well, this could happen. Are you sure? Now I'm thinking, and then she'd go, and I'm like, what in the world? And we, and we found it was because one day she was uh, on my husband's iPad. And he was like, why are all these tsunami videos? Oh, no. And she got in a YouTube loop and she was watching the worst of the tsunamis and her mind could not, I could not convince her. Otherwise I couldn't, it was tough. And now that she's 12, we can laugh a little bit about it, but she legit will still tell me, but I'm still kind of scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I understand where she's coming from and my heart goes out to her because I know what it's like to get in your head. So yeah, it's 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 cute, but it's real. I mean, it's, it's like we real. have to remember that. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, so this book really helps her out a lot too. We work a lot with those concepts, and that's exactly why this book rang, rang true to me when I saw it. Um, and I wonder. I mean, I think this is as good a time as any. Tell us where we can get it. Yeah, um, it's available at Barnes and Noble. It's available on Amazon, so you can find it there. I do have a website, uh, athoughtswiththought.com, where I also have a bunch of free worksheets. So I have my positive affirmations, so um, you can print those off and put them up and just read them, or they can actually write them out. I think that's another fun way to do it. And the thing about affirmations is you can also have them create whatever's meaningful to them. So it could be I am sporty, you know. Mine, I pick some more um, broad ones, but obviously your kid can pick ones that have meaning to them. but just building that confidence and then I do have the breath work so in the book I talk about a breathing exercise that you can teach um, little ones because obviously you need to to learn before you can crawl before you can walk so it's um, a very pared back version of breath work that you can do but again I love um, all these tools like positive affirmations and uh, breathing exercises because you can do them anywhere right they don't cost anything if your kid can learn these tactics they can use them when they're at school and it's not something that necessarily is going to be drawing attention to themselves. They can use it, do it, the affirmations in their head, or they can do a couple of deep breaths. Like that stuff can really help them calm down, especially with kids who have like test anxiety and that sort of thing. That's really, that's can be hard on kids. So, Very hard um, on 
I wanted to provide some tools. And another one that I really love that's on the free worksheets is uh, gratitude journaling. So however you want to bring it into your household, I mean, it's something you could do over dinner that you could talk about, you know, what's, what are some things you're grateful for? Or it could be something you do at story time. Um, and then again, I have a worksheet that they could fill out depending on their age. Uh, they could do it on their own. But I think it's just having a, a headspace of uh, gratitude also really helps wire the brain for positivity. So particularly if you're somebody who might, like I said, have that lens of negativity as a starting point, the more practice you can put them in to have framework to look for the good. So looking for what they're grateful for helps them pick out the things that were good within the day. And then again, like I said, if wrapping it up with some positive affirmations is another really great way to make them feel good. I remember in the book, you just reminded me that you also have a, a counting exercise. Oh, yeah. yeah. How did you come up with that? Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, I just, I thought um, it's almost like, how do you, <laughs> I wanted something that they could work up to that's small and bite-sized, but they're used to counting. There are things that they're used to do. So like, it's almost just taking a moment to do that counting piece, counting the breaths, it gets you grounded again. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to take a lot of time to shift you out of that headspace. Um, sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes it can be as quickly as t- counting to 10. I know, you know, when you think about like people having a timeout, sometimes I just need to go take t- 10 seconds or whatever, take some time away. Yeah. But I just wanted to remind them that like, they're not far away from being in a better state. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as a few breaths. It could be just getting present. So I, I talk about counting the dots and, and you can actually, there's 10 dots on the bottom of the page. Even if you were worked up and you just took the time to count them, that small time frame can actually shift you out of that spiral you were just in because you've yes. now become present. You're now looking at the book. You're now working through counting to 10. And that shifts you out of that sort of chaotic mind state that you were in before. And so I, I just I, I wanted a few different oh. options for parents to pull from. Depending on their child, they can do them all. They can do one. But I I just, as you said, I, I felt like the book um, has does have that rhyming scheme but I'm like, I wanted to ground it in some activities that help make it more practical. Yeah. And I wonder if that hand body connection with the touching each one allows them to also calm their mind. Yeah. I love that you say that because um, for anybody who suffers from panic attacks or if they have kids who suffer from panic attacks, one of the best things you can do is actually ground yourself in your environment. And so what I recommend is that you, not just me, many people recommend this, but that you ground yourself in your environment. So what do you, we start thinking, what do I see? What do I, what do I feel? Um, what do I hear? And so by, by just taking that moment to get out of, like I said, that future thinking or past thinking, that's another place I address that in the book, you know, from future to past, they're moving so fast because we do, we so often bounce from things that we said and wondering, you know, maybe it was, maybe they're worried about what happened with their friends at school that day. And they're really ruminating about that. Um, Or maybe they're worried about the test that's going to happen tomorrow. So trying to get them to be present is, is really the ultimate goal. I mean, I I just feel like that's something that is woven into the book that you did on purpose, but it's not right out there in the open of understanding that they need to be grounded. And, um, and also, oh my gosh, really the most important one. And what you're really trying to say through the whole thing is that you don't have to believe every thought that pops in your head. That's absolutely it. That's really a, that's huge. I mean, if that, all of this working around that, wouldn't you say that like, that's the aha moment? That's it. That's it. Just don't, don't believe everything you think. Yeah. Um, That's a game changer. And so I, I think a lot of people might never learn that lesson, um, and then they spend a lot of time thinking things that just aren't true. And so I just really want to encourage people to think or rethink the thoughts that they have because you just shouldn't take everything at face value, particularly if it doesn't serve you, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, by going through that question, what was that third question? Uh, is it true, basically, yeah. right? Is, yeah. is, is that thought true was the third one. You know what? I think what we should do is go through those questions again, because I love them. Yeah. I think we went way too fast. <laughs> I, there's so many different things that you, I, you know that I told you and my listeners know that I love to do a solution-focused exercise. And the thing is, is that we have like a thousand exercises you've just given us. So you might just need to listen to this whole podcast again and pull out what's going to work for you and your family. But I find that those questions, if we just asked ourselves this week, those that set of questions mm-hmm. that could make such an impact. 
So well, let, let's go through those again. What were those questions? All right. The first question, what is the thought that you are having? So, I mean, right there, you're going to have to pause because kids aren't used to getting asked those kind of things. No, because they're, yeah, they're just not used to thinking about their thoughts. I can imagine them going, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but they do know. So giving them that time to think, what is the thought that you're, you're thinking in mm -hmm. this moment? Mm -hmm. And then what's the next one? The next one. How does the thought make you feel? And then they have to ponder that in their body. Yeah. How it makes them feel. Cause I'm going through it myself. Like, you know, like, yeah, you're right. Then it, then it makes your body feel a different type of way. Like, wait, how does that make me feel? Right. And then the power question, the power question. Do you know if that thought is true? Right. I wonder, I'm going to start asking this week. I'm going to do this too. I'm going to ask the kids I work with just that simple question and see, and I, I'm going to have to get back to you and let you know the different answers that I get. I it's think the more they, they might dig in, you're going to get them initially to like a lot, especially if they're mad. Mad is a hard emotion to get them to get past, you know. That's what I was just thinking. When they're I was thinking I might get like, some that oh, say, it's yes, true. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. The same thing. Yeah. There's some that said, well, of course it's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that one, that one in particular, I think um, is this is why that page in particular is great to be doing with a, either a guidance counselor or a parent or a guardian of some sort, because it's a practice, I and mean, even as an adult, to really question yourself that, like, do you really know that thought to be true? I can imagine that you could just say, is it, though? Is it true? Yeah. Huh? Is it really true? And, you know, just kind of allow their mind to really work through it. And all you have to do, like you said, it's just a small little shift where they're really like, well, doubt. well, maybe it's not all the way true. Well, bang, you have it, you know, right there. Yeah, your mind's right there, you know that that shift can happen. And so I love that. So I do think that's a sticky one and it might be one that you gotta really hang out on for a little while to get them to think about it. But once you can get them to put that little bit of like, okay, well, I don't, I don't totally, totally, totally know that it's true. It's possible that there could be, that's where you inch out that opportunity. So the next question, if you could choose another thought, one that might make you feel better, what would it be? And so that's that. I mean, I think about, you know, any time that like I was talking with the friend that the friend that's offended you, like, is there another thought that might make you feel better? You can well, that's there. a very solution focused question. I don't know if you realize that, but me being a solution focused specialist and this podcast is uh, designed to help people be more solution focused. If you could is a really important way to address a question because then it makes them have to ponder, well, I, I wonder if I could. It's not so personal. It gives them time to kind of like say if, and that's mm -hmm. kind of a more powerful way of going, you know, that you have to do this. You know, it's not, it's not a pushy thing. I like the way it's worded. And I, I, like I said, it's okay if it's a small increment improvement. It, it doesn't, I mean, I'd, I'd love for it to be a leaps and bounds step forward, but if it goes from, um, you know, she hates me to, well, maybe she's just mad at me. Like even that has a different energy. It right? does. So just getting them to think about one that might make me feel better. Like, well, maybe, maybe her feelings are hurt. And that is, I mean, I know it's hard, particularly this is more in the teenage years, but it's hard for them to get out of that um, like sort of egocentric world's about me yes. phase. And I was there, we've all been there, so mm -hmm. I will admit it. But um, trying to get them just to be able to take another perspective is also really great. So it depends on your age, like how... I think that this can go in all sorts of places as an adult, obviously it's, it can still be hard to do, but it, I think it's definitely possible and it's easier for you to be like, right. Okay. I can choose something. One other plausible reason that, you know, that client hasn't called me back or my friend hasn't come back to me. And like I said, just, if you can come up with one that isn't about you um, and I haven't talked about this, but one of my favorite books is the four agreements. I don't know if you've read it, but it's, it's a great book, but one of the principles of the four agreements is um, don't take anything personally. And I think that, like I was talking about all this needless suffering that we do so often, when we, particularly when we try to predict what the future is or what somebody else is thinking when we haven't asked them the question, um, we just put a lot of extra stuff in our minds that we don't need to because it's just not often not true. And so I love that don't take anything personally because so often we do when somebody doesn't get back to us or something, you know, if we feel rejected in any sort of way, but it's so often not about us at all. And so I wanted to be able to introduce that, that sense as well, just around um, 
that if you could choose another thought, one that might make you feel better, what would it be? But that is almost like a starting point to that, not taking things personally. Well, you're right on point with that because when I, I can't count the number of children that I'm coaching or counseling and they say, oh, it's because the teacher doesn't like me. Right. It's because they hate me. That's clearly the reason. And then you got to start there. And that's exactly what I do is similar to what you're saying is I begin to qu- have them question that, uh, what might be another reason, <laughs> what might be some <laughs> other reasons why that might be happening. And, right. um, but that's the way it feels to them. They ought to, it's sure. a very normal thing. They automatically go to, well, clearly I'm hated here. And so, uh, to help them be able to give another option to their own mind, that's the ultimate goal that they can give them, they, they can give themselves that question like, well, do they though? You know, that kind yeah. of thing that takes time, but it, I can see, honestly, I really can. That's why I'm promoting this book with the counselors and coaches that I work with, because I could picture this book in each and every classroom and every counseling office. Cause it's just a simple thing. You could pick it up and just boom, right there, do it. You could even have a child sit on, I could have them sit on my beanbag chair and read it before I even talk to them. And they might be in a better headspace than when I, uh, when they first came in. So I do appreciate you choosing to put all this together in the format that you did. That is simple, um, but yet profound. And I appreciate it a lot. So Um, I'm hoping that many people hop over to your website and hop over on Amazon and grab themselves a copy and your website again. Oh, I thought is a thought.com. So easy. And then that's the same (laughs) as your Instagram, right? That's right. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as I thought is a thought. And I will just say um, one last thing from an adult perspective. I, I challenge the parents out there to take this week that when you have that moment of frustration to put this in practice yourself. So you know, whether the somebody at work is being a jerk, in your opinion, <laughs> you know, try to take a moment to think like, maybe they've got something going on at home. My mom was always very adamant with me to say, like, you never know what's happening for somebody else. And, and you never know what's happening, like why, why they're grouchy today. And so I love oh, especially she, taught in me, today's world. she taught me that. Yeah, I mean, right now, there's so many stresses for so many people. And I think if you can just even if it's, like I said, you don't have to be right, but if you can just say to yourself, like, oh, maybe they're having a really hard time with their marriage, that has a very different energy than, like, they're just being a jerk. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, just that... think about our situation be coming up on this very interview that we're having today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was running late and <sighs> you had no way of knowing the reason why, but you were super duper flexible. And then I just took a minute before I drove away from the office to say, yeah, a teacher came in to me pretty much as I was packing up my computer. And she said, I'm having a real hard time with the fact that we're coming back. And she said, everyone around here seems to be so happy about coming back to school. And I'm not because I've had my aunt, my uncle and my grandmother die in the last month. They died from COVID. And she said, how can I, I haven't even grieved yet. And I'm coming back here and teaching kids. And I can't, I I don't feel that same, uh, that same excitement. And, um, And of course, as a school counselor, I was in that moment with her. Of course, I was in that moment with her. And of course, it crossed my mind that I was going to be late to this interview. (laughs) And but you could have been the type of person. And, you know, I trusted that you weren't, but you could have been that type of person that was like, you know, I've been waiting and I'm ready and I'm sitting here. And now why is she blowing me off? And, you know, you could imagine all the negative thoughts, but. The truth Sherry, you know what I did with that extra time? I put what? on, I, I made a playlist called <laughs> on, on uh, Apple, A Thought is a Thought, and it's like a bunch of feel good songs that I love. love. It. And I put it on and I had a little dance party and sang a little bit. So, right, like, right. It made, it made no <laughs> difference in my day. So, but see, that's because it's like we can choose how to take those things. And then I'm sure that once you saw the reason, you're like, well, holy oh, moly. Course, you're like, yeah. we don't even have to do this if you don't want to. I'm like, no, I'm good. But see, those are the interactions. We need to have some compassion because we, everyone has, ah, you know, the things. Yeah. 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 And not, a, it's not, it's really none of your business too. Like somebody might be having a horrible day and they might not give you that explanation. They don't have to. No. And so I think when you think about the choices that you have, you have the choice to be frustrated with them and to not give them the benefit of the doubt. Or you can just expect that if if they're that miserable or that grouchy, like there's probably something pretty big going on for them and that 
you just have empathy that hopefully they'll get through it sooner than later because it can't be easy to be in their shoes. And so that's how I like to look at it. Um, and I, you know, try, I try to be kind to the people that I interact with, you know, the grocery store clerks who, I mean, they're going through a lot right now. Imagine putting yourself with that kind of like possible troubles, you know, there's a lot going on. So I just think wherever you can try to be kind. Yeah. And I think that's a great message to leave for the parents because there's no doubt that the, our attitude towards things, um, our kids are watching everything that we do. So when we give someone grace, they're more willing to give someone grace. And guess what? They're, we as uh, parents need grace as well. So <laughs> they're willing to give us grace. So it, it, it makes that positive circle that we want to happen um, really begin to be a real thing. It sounds like it's giving grace to them, but you know what? It's giving yourself because, you know, what happens in your own body when you choose to choose the more, like, thoughtful, empathetic version is you feel better because you are being kind. And so I think um, when you choose to let that, like, I'm so annoyed, like, that you're carrying that and you don't want to carry that with you. So I love the idea of just, uh, man, I've got a lot of creative solutions for why people are... (laughs) Whatever. We're going to you get know. your book too before long right here. Right? <laughs> Choices, thoughts you can have, positive thoughts you can choose. Right. Um, but yeah, I just think it's important to to know that there's always another way to look at it and there's always a positive lens that you can take. That's great. And I think that's exactly the message we need to hear today. So thank you again. And please come back and visit us. I'm going to be in contact with you uh, just letting you know how this book makes a difference in my per- oh, personal you. practice. And, oh, that makes me so happy. For sure. And you're all the way, where do you live again? I'm in Vancouver, Canada. All right. So yeah. you're up in Vancouver, Canada. I'm down here in Southern California, and we're just going to make a difference in our corners, right? That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just keep doing doing the good work. Yes. All right. And I'm going to put everything in the show notes. So if people didn't, you know, they can click it, they can get to you and, um, and take advantage of not only this book itself, but all of the awesome free resources that you're offering. So that's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me the time to chat with you. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's been so fun. I'm so glad we finally got to know each other a little better too. For sure. I don't think this is goodbye. I think this is a a talk to you soon. For sure. That's for sure. I might be calling you and being like, okay, my youngest one's anxious. Give me some new ideas. (laughs) Perfect. Happy to help. Yeah. Thank you again. I'm so thankful that Nikki came to join us and look in the show notes to find the link to where you can get a thought is a thought and look it up and buy it because This is a new book on the market, and there's lots of books we've seen out there, but it's so great to support brand new authors as they're on their journey. And let's share this episode everywhere. You can put it on Facebook, LinkedIn. You can send it an email. You just hit the share button, copy the link, and send it out. And let's get the word out about this book and about how to deal with anxiety. Such an important topic. And go to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, if you want more solution-focused support to find out about my course, Conversations That Empower, and just to be able to be a part of our community. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you're able to go out and make today one of the very best days of your life. So I'm signing off. Until next time, keep in touch and take care.